Hello, and welcome back to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And Steve, Zips of Akron. Richard Patino cannot recruit. Well, as long as you set it up so nicely, uh, I think that's a great transition into the fact that uh, Steve is, of course, kidding, and Richard Patino can recruit. In fact, he just landed... Uh, a verbal commitment from Isaiah Enan. Did I pronounce that kid's last name right? You did. And Enan is uh, German uh, because he's from Germany. And he's coming to the University of Minnesota over the likes of TCU, Stanford, Tennessee. You ever heard of them? I mean, seemingly, yes. I, I believe Tennessee is the place that uh, somehow outbid the mighty powerhouse that is UCLA. I don't actually believe UCLA is a mighty powerhouse anymore. Uh, to keep Rick Barnes, of all people. That's right. That is correct. All right, so Isaiah Enan, uh, how do we see him fitting in to the upcoming roster? So uh, just a little background. Uh, Enan is a four-star recruit, um, again, coming from Germany, uh, although he's got an Eritrean and Senegalese heritage. So um, he's a power forward, pretty raw, or not, not raw, but pretty lanky. He's a six, nine, only 190 pounds right now. But, um, you know, I think people think he can contribute right away. And it's also a nice, um, insurance policy, knock on wood. If Amir coffee does not return from his NBA dreams, um, but adds some depth with Jordan Murphy leaving, um, and really could be a major contributor, um, I don't want to say a major contributor right off the bat as a true freshman, but um, definitely down the road if he, if he fills out, um, can can stretch the court. He's got a huge wingspan, um, and he can shoot the three ball. So not only can he bang down low, also um, also has a nice shot to him. So he's a top 100 prospect. So according to 24-7, number 80, uh, the number 89 overall prospect, which is pretty sweet um, and kind of undercuts this whole – I mean, who knows how widespread this is, but this weird misconception that Patino can't recruit when um, you, you factor in Enan with center uh, prospect and signee Sam Freeman from Texas and four-star shooting guard Trey Williams um, add it all up, and the Gophers currently have the fifth-best recruiting class in uh, the Big Ten as it currently stands. It's not too bad of a place to be. No. Uh Andy, for you, what do you think this means to the class um, in terms of what we still need and want? Well, I think, you know, he he's going to come in and he's going to step into that. I think he'll play more of a, a three, honestly, for Minnesota. Um, you know, he, he sort of says his, his idol is a Kevin Durant type. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to, uh, you know, play the wing and be able to rebound. Um, you know, Marcus Fuller had a tweet out earlier this evening said he's up to 210 now rather than 190 so um you know putting on that good muscle and then he'll get into he'll get into a strength program and pick up some more weight so if he can get up to that 6'9 220 225 you know you're, you're talking about a legitimate uh good you know three four hybrid um I, I think the the thing that has been pointed out a couple of times is, is that he really can shoot um he, he's got a natural streak from the outside which you know to be able to set up an inside outside game would be huge um i mean he in his in his official sort of commitment article on 24 7 he, he basically makes light of that 
Um, you know, he, he, this is an exact quote. I think I will help them for sure with my shooting because they weren't a good shooting team last season and just my versatility. So he's, he's not afraid to lay it all out there and basically be like, yeah, you guys sucked at shooting last year. Oh, by the way, I'm good at that. So I can definitely come in and help. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a nice spot. Um, I think, you know, he'll definitely probably be a little raw, but hopefully he can come in and, and he'll definitely have a shot to compete for uh, some minutes, especially if, if Coffee doesn't come back. Um, if he does come back, you know, he could really, really good six-man off the bench. Um, you know, looking ahead, the Gophers have probably two open scholarships left. Um, the Coffee one they'll reserve until Amir gives them a final decision, which could be as late as end of May, um, early June. So they'll hold that one up for him. Um, you know, one of the spots they're looking right now, they're looking at a, a grad transfer from Drexel named Alihan Demir. He's more of a traditional four. Um, he'd be basically the Murphy replacement. Uh, back to the basket, power forward. He's going to get you, you know, your rebounds that you need. Um, he's not nearly the scoring threat that Murphy was, but at least you can get another big uh, big banger rebounder down low to go along with uh, Eric Curry and and. Oturu. Um, and then I think the last spot, you know, they're, they're still looking at, uh, at players who would come in and be freshmen next year, but I think, you know, they're looking at the transfer market as well. Um, they really could use a, another ball handler now with Isaiah Washington gone. Um, you know, Carr will be most likely the starting point guard, uh, next fall, but you don't really have a ton of, uh, backup depth behind him. So it'd be nice to see if they could maybe try and get a, a grad transfer, uh, a, somebody who could play, uh, you know, sort of a split one, two guard, but, uh, they still got plenty of time. Um, and as we've seen, Patino can start to win some recruiting battles. So hopefully he can uh, start winning some big transfer battles as well. So, you know, we, <clears throat> excuse me, this, the coffee situation will kind of hang over the, the whole off season until it's decided. Uh, I saw this week that, you know, some of the rankings, uh, services or the, the groups looking and trying to, you know, rank prospects coming into the draft have moved him up a little bit. At least one of the, the groups has, um, at this point, do you see Steve, do you think he's coming back? Like what, I know we still have a ways to go, but as of this moment, do you think he stays or goes? You know, I'm no NBA mind, um, especially when it comes to the draft. So I'll caveat that. However, when you see him ranked with, you know, I think the Sports Illustrated had him, had him number 77. Um, I think that's far from a sure thing for him to stay at the draft. Depends on what rumors you believe for sure. But um, in terms of him wanting to just get his professional career started at, at all cost. Um, the blurb that came with the SI article, though, did indicate that I think he'd been advised that he would benefit from another full year at the college level, which I tend to agree with as much as a homer take as that is. But, you know, my gut tells me he'll be back because I think he would, if we if we look at what he did at the end of, of this year, um, really almost jump to another level. Being able to do that for a whole year, he would all of a sudden become a first-round pick. So um, I think he comes back. I think he would benefit from a full season of being the man in the Big Ten and think about what a first-team All-Big Ten honor would do for his draft stock. Andy, does he stay or go? You know, I think it's going to come down to if he can get himself a two-way contract. I think uh, I don't think he'll be drafted. Um, you know, but there was some talk, at least when he initially decided to leave, that if he could get himself a two-way contract between you know 
both the the G League and uh, and the potential of making an NBA team that he may take that instead. Um, you know, I, I agree with Steve. I think it would benefit everybody involved, him, Amir, the Gophers, everybody for him to come back and, and play his senior season. Um, you know, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'm going to put it probably 70-30 that he does come back. But I think there's still a, I think there's still a, you know, greater than, than tiny chance that he just decides to go uh, test out pro ball instead. How does the two-way deal work exactly? Again, I'm not an expert on this as well, but I believe that if he's undrafted, he can sign a a two-way contract, free agent contract with a team uh, that basically, you know, will pay him a certain rate if he's playing in the G League. And then if he, he gets promoted to an NBA team, um, you'll, you'll give him it's sort of kind of like the two way contracts that NHL and AHL players sign. Um, but, uh, I, I, it's a newer, newer contract. I don't think it's, it's, as you know, obviously with the G league being, um, what it is more of a true developmental league. Now, uh, you've seen a few players exist on it, but, uh, you know, it, it would, I think it would be a disappointment for, for Minnesota fans if that's the route he decided to go. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I believe, uh, he needs to, I believe if, I can't remember the exact thing. If it, if it, if he is not getting a grade, I think he has to be decided by the end of May, I believe is the deadline, May 29th or something like that. So, um, you know, we're still, we're still a good five weeks away probably from a final decision. So there'll be plenty of time to speculate here between now and then. Okay. Um, going to switch it up to football. Uh, we actually have some football news after a spring game uh, before, you know, getting even slightly into the summer, and it's not even recruiting related. Uh, the 2022 schedule has been finalized. I know you all have been waiting on pins and needles, uh, waiting for that schedule. Interesting a couple facts about that schedule. Five straight home games to start the season. And with four out of the last five going on the road with at Nebraska, Michigan State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. So it's extremely loaded on the back end. And I'm kind of interested to hear from you guys as, a, as to just how do you feel about this schedule? Um, Steve? Well, I guess it's, uh, it's always exciting when the Western Illinois Leathernecks come to town. Um, one of the best nicknames in, in college sports, if you ask me. Um, you know, five straight at home to open it up. Can't argue with that. Um, I also, you know, how good is Colorado going to be in 2022? Also hard to say. Um, but it's better to have them, I guess, at home if you're going to be so backloaded. Um, but again, 2022, it's three years away. How can you, you can only project so much, right? No, no, I think we can make up all sorts of stuff if we need to. No, um, no <laughs> I, I agree. It's it's kind of... Honestly, when they finalize schedules like this, I mostly care about it just so I can get a rough sense of like what time of the year they're playing at certain locations so I can start thinking ahead about, is that a road trip I can make? Like, I have no... It has nothing to do with wins and losses. It's more like, what home games do I want to see? And where am I going to go on the road? And in that regard, Andy, the home schedule is a little bit lackluster, especially on the back end, because 
what their last two home games, their two big home, Big Ten home games at the end are what at uh, Penn State, Western, and, and Purdue. Oh, the, the the home games. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 not going to be a home schedule in which you're going to uh, sell tickets on. I mean, yeah, the the Big Ten home games that season are Iowa, Rutgers, Purdue, Northwestern, which. Um, you know, isn't going to blow anybody away. Um, that Colorado date will be, will be big. And if Colorado's decent, you'll get a good crowd there, but New Mexico state, Western Illinois, isn't going to bring the crowds in. So, uh, you got to hope by this point, by 2022, that, uh, PJ Fleck has, has got the gopher juggernaut going. And then they're not worried about, uh, worried about TCF bank attendance because the gophers have already won one or two, uh, big 10 West titles in the last three or four years and have a chance to, to go for another one. But, uh, yeah, you know, as a fan, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of this. Um, I mean, literally, it's it's five weekends in a row of games at home, um, and then, you know, their last home game of that five is October first. You get one game against Purdue two weeks later, and then you get another game not for a month against Northwestern. So basically, if you you know pretend, ignore that the first game in october is october 1st you basically have one october home game one november home game that's it um so hopefully it's a good september for weather i guess um you know I, I, you get a buy basically right halloween weekend um which splits your nebraska and michigan state road games so that's at least a, a bit of a break but yeah finishing at penn state at wisconsin um, you know, it's hard to project out, but it's it's not the uh, not the easiest road for the Gophers to hoe. So they're definitely going to have to take care of business early in the season if they're going to uh, impress in 2022. But by then, you know, hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, multiple four, five-star recruits who've decided to see that something's happening and then we could, don't really care who's on the schedule. The people will be looking at Minnesota to be worried about having to play us rather than we have to be worried about who's going to play them. But. Now, do you often see? I, I feel like four out of your last five games on the road seems a little imbalanced. Is this like the new the the new normal for the Big Ten. I, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the new normal. I think it's you know the the way they're moving games around and they're trying to schedule other Big Ten games earlier in the year. Um, you know, we don't we don't see it in twenty twenty two, but in twenty twenty one, for example, Minnesota hosts Ohio State first weekend of the season. Um, so they're trying to move things around and do interesting things like this. And I think that sort of, you know, screws up the schedule a little bit, uh, depending upon who you can play and when, um, but you know, when those, it's one of those, when you're playing nine big 10 games and you only get four road games to, or four home games to five road games on your alternate year, um, you know, they, unless you're going to basically alternate week after week, you're going to have a couple of these, these stretches where you play, you know, two weeks at home in a a way or two weeks in a row, uh, two weeks in a row on the road or things like that. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, a bit awkward and the, and the buy breaks it up a little bit, but yeah, the fact that you're basically going to play at TCF bank stadium twice in, let's see, what is this? Let me do the math. One, two, seven weeks, two and seven, two, two and seven. Yeah. Two and seven weeks. It's, it's definitely going to be a bit awkward, but, uh, at least the good news is it should help out the uh, the home hockey schedule that year in 2022 without too many conflicts. No more complaints about moving to Sunday, for sure. Um, yeah, I th- it feels like this is a byproduct of 
the moving Big Ten games into September, earlier into September, whenever possible, and then the unbalanced nine-game nine uh, conference schedule. Like, I think that's really all it comes down to. Like, Iowa is our home opener for Big Ten play, and that's, you know, September 24th, which isn't the earliest game ever, but when you only have three more home games left that season and you've got, you know, eight weeks left in eight weeks left to play. That's I, I still feel like the big 10 could have found a way to balance that out more instead of going Iowa Rutgers back to back. But I don't know. I, I don't know if every team is going to have a random schedule like this where they get screwed. But when it came to how they, how they backloaded it, the big 10 definitely screwed the Gophers. Like that there's no way around that. I mean, I, I, oh, I was just going to say, I, I pulled up the full Big Ten 2022 schedule, and, and, you know, yeah, the Gophers get screwed at the end, but if you're looking at Iowa, Iowa gets screwed to start the season. They go at Minnesota, home Michigan, at Purdue, at Ohio State four weeks in a row. So, you know, that's three out of four on the road at your rival, at Purdue, who, you know, assuming Brian Brom hasn't left for, Jeff Brom, excuse me, hasn't left for greener pastures by then, Purdue should still be pretty good, and at Ohio State. Uh, plus a home game against Michigan. So, you know, the the, the schedule is not very kind for uh, for anyone to start. Um, you know, Wisconsin, they've got a relatively even split, but they end the season home Nebraska, at Ohio State, at Iowa, home Minnesota. So, um, you know, I think it's just going to be a, a greater fact of, uh, as, as the Big Ten West appears to get stronger and more even, um, you know, you're not going to have a ton of... Uh, easy games anymore and when you're when you're packing them all in it's it's gonna be you're gonna have a few weeks there where you feel like you're getting screwed i guess all right so that's 2022 we have a long time to wait to get excited or upset for real about that but something that's happening much more uh in the near term, it's going to happen uh, Wednesday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the TCF Bank Stadium turf is getting replaced again. Uh, if you're wondering, wait, didn't they just replace the turf? The answer is yes. Two years ago, when the Vikings left TCF Bank Stadium, as and at the same time that the uh, as Minnesota United was coming in, they did replace the turf. But that was always going to be temporary as part of the contract with Minnesota United. Minnesota United was obligated to replace the TCF Bank Stadium turf after they opened their new stadium in Midway. I am actually kind of excited. I'm excited to see what they do with the turf. We've kind of been on temporary turf, for lack of a better way to put it, for a number of years now because of sharing with uh, another professional franchise. I'm interested, uh, Steve, do you have any preferences of what the Gophers do with, with the turf, the new turf that they're getting? Well, I'm hoping it's uh, one of two things. Either it mirrors the current floor at Williams Arena, um, kind of like that light gray. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. seen that? <laughs> or maybe we'll take a play uh, or, or a page out of the um, Eastern Washington playbook, and instead of going all red, we'll go all gold. Um, so it really shows up well on TV. You're a horrible person. I'm not asking you any more questions about design choices. <laughs> Andy, what do you want to see 
about uh, see them do with the with the turf. Well, I think the uh, the one nice thing that will be, as you said, we're not sharing with anybody, so you don't have to worry about either covering up logos or having other logos painted on or things like that. So I think you'll see. Um, you'll see things like the Big Ten logo will be sewn back into the field. Um, hopefully this means that Minnesota can go back to a little bit more of a entertaining end zone design. Um, you know, not that just Minnesota or Golden Gophers spelled out in a green end zone is, is bad. Okay, it is. But it'd be nice to see if either they go with gold end zones or maroon end zones or something like that to make things a little more interesting. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what secondary logos they, they bring in. Um, you know, an example that people have is, is the state of Minnesota logo that's on their current indoor football practice field. Um, those are pretty nice and, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do with some interesting secondary logos there on the, on the 25 or the 30. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it'll be int- if see whether they publicize it or whether they sort of keep it a secret uh, it, it's you know it's sort of been kept under wraps that they're even removing the old turf starting uh, this week uh nobody's really made a big uh, public fuss about it it's just been through some side channels that it's come out and that's actually happening so um I, I hope they get a little bit more creative with it than, than they have the last few years. Um, there's been a good reason why they haven't, but uh, you know I'll be a little disappointed if they go uh, if they go pretty basic on it uh, now that it's theirs and theirs alone for you know until this turf gets replaced probably five six seven years down the line. Yeah, I would like to see those those Minnesota um, outlines make their way on. That'd be nice. Or yeah, I guess you wouldn't really see anything. I'd be shocked if they did anything at center field besides a block M at this point. Like that's pretty much the expected standard, I think, at, at midfield. Um, I'm trying to decide because the the old end zones, the or I should say the original end zones pre Vikings. I'm trying to remember was it was it a maroon background or a gold? It was a maroon background, right, on those end zones. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was gold writing on uh, on a maroon maroon background. Trying to decide what would look better if it, if the maroon background would be better again, or if a gold background with uh, maroon lettering would be preferable. I don't know. I'm with Andy. Just do something, spice it up a little bit. And it was a uh, maroon background with gold lettering. Okay. Confirmed. Well. We talked about, uh, you know, crowd sizes related to the potential 2022 football uh, schedule. But uh, one of the big topics over the last week has been the announcement of new ticket prices for basketball and hockey. Um, It's kind of a mixed reaction because while they dropped the uh, base season ticket price for most seats for both sports... They also raised the required donation levels for quite a number of those seats, uh, resulting generally for something like 70 or 80% of the seats for both hockey and basketball. Actually, season ticket holders will still spend the same amount of money for their seats as they do currently. Where it seems to have paid off is the less desirable seating locations are now cheaper. In general, Andy, how do you feel about this change either as uh, on a practical level or just as a PR choice? You know, I, I sort of a split decision. Um, you know, after, after thinking about it and reading enough people out about it, I, I, I think in, on the whole, it's a, it's a good change. Um, 
you know, basically the U of M is looking at this, not necessarily, they'll add a few season ticket holders, but they're looking at this more as, as a single game additions. Um, the, the tickets that, uh, they lowered the cost on both at Mariucci and at Williams Arena were the ones that weren't selling season ticket or single game tickets at all last year. Um, so the ability to decrease the actual standard ticket price means you can decrease the actual single game ticket price and and hope that maybe you can fill up those sections at least for a few of your bigger games during the year um so in that that i agree i like that uh where i'm a little disappointed in is some of the rollout um as a hockey season ticket holder i'm in one of those sections where uh i'll be paying the exact same amount as i have the last couple seasons which you know it's fine um it, it's not gonna help you know, the, the season ticket holders have sort of been feeling unloved for a while. Um, but but the way they, they rolled it out and the way they marketed it is the, the problem I have is, you know, they sent out a nice big email and they sent out this big press release saying, oh, yeah, we're lowering all these ticket prices and da-da-da-da-da. But you had to go to a separate map to click to see where your seats were actually happening. So they're bragging about lowering all these ticket prices and lowering and starting it here, but... Lo and behold, you don't realize until after you click in on the map that, oh, while the ticket prices are going down, my scholarship seating donation has now doubled. Um, and I understand you're still playing the, the paying the exact same rate. They're just doing a little bit of an accounting shift and things like that. But it's sort of a, you know, I, I, I feel like you're sort of, again, neglecting the people who have been with you all along and, and, and buying season tickets all along and, and are still sticking with you. And I think... You know, I think you're going to lose a few of the standout holdouts who have still been, you know, putting in the, the full freight. Um, or you're going to have some of those people move from the from the expensive tickets to, to the, you know, corners and, and pay less. And, and all of a sudden, um, you know, you're you're not making any money there. You're actually losing money as you're letting people buy the cheaper seats. So, um Honestly, it'll be interesting to see what numbers the U of M comes out with, and we probably won't see any of those until the fall. But uh, does it have an actual impact, or, or does it not? I, I think for, for some it will, but I, I have a feeling that you're not going to see a, a much change season ticket-wise, but it's going to be those single-game tickets where you're going to see uh, them make a little bit increases uh, during the season. I'm trying to remember, with the uh, the tax changes over the last year, did, did the deductibility of seeding donations for college sports go away completely, or were you just capped on how much you could deduct? It went away completely, at least at a federal level. Supposedly, and I didn't realize this, and I'm still trying to find the exact verbiage of it, supposedly if you donate at least $500, you can donate a portion of it, or deduct a portion of it on your Minnesota state taxes. Um, but I haven't actually seen officially where that all plays out or something like that but but the federal donation um is completely gone okay yeah because that's i couldn't remember for sure um and because that would have been the one selling point if and actually frankly if they were going to back in the day when you were able to deduct that would have been honestly kind of a better place to go sometimes with probably lower season ticket costs slightly higher donation at least you could have deducted more of what you were spending while being able to sell more single games for less money. But, yeah, doesn't matter anymore. Uh, gymnastics. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we get to gymnastics, I'm, I'm also forgetting the other big topic that I feel like just came out today. Um, 
beer sales, actual honest to goodness alcohol sales at both Mariochi and Williams. And it does seem like this is something that's going to happen. Uh, Steve, what are your general thoughts on uh, getting some extra liquor, uh, not liquor, but uh, alcohol out there? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's uh, coming with the times and most places are doing this um, at their basketball and, well, I guess hockey arenas too. Um, but in terms of driving more attendance, I don't know. Do we really go to basketball hockey games for the booze? Probably not. Um, but it's a, it's just, it's, it's nice to have it on the side as an option. Um, and then in a couple of years we'll be thinking, how did I ever live without this? Um, I think we'd probably do the same thing at TCF bank stadium. If beer went away now, there'd be an uproar. Um, but maybe I'm thinking that football just needs beer with it. Are we going to be, are we going to be, be tossing beers on the court now at Mary or at, uh, at Williams arena when uh, another anti gopher call happens at home? Somebody will, you know it. Um, Andy, are you gonna find yourself purchasing any surly at uh, at a hockey game? Um, you know, I, I I probably won't just for the fact that you know for the price. I I don't often at TCF Bank Stadium. I maybe do once or twice a season. So I suppose I will probably once or twice a season at Mariucci as well. But um, no, but this will be interesting to see. You know, uh, it, it sounds like uh, from the Star Tribune article that came out that Eric Kaler has formally proposed it to the regions and the regions have to approve it before it can happen. And it sounds like, at least from a from a basic level, that uh, the regions are, are sounding pretty happy with this plan. Uh, they just want to see some more details and things like that. But uh, the argument that, that Kaler and Coyle are making is that, you know, we haven't had any problems with the TCF Bank Stadium, which is true. Uh, you really haven't seen any alcohol issues, whether it be with students or whether it be with really drunk inebriated fans. Um, so they're, they're talking, you know, transferring that to the general seating in, in Williams and Mariucci and, and making a decent amount of money. Um the, the, the question will be, and, and they'll be doing looking at these numbers for years, will be is, does it actually draw more attendance? Will more people go to go for hockey games because you can buy a beer now? Or will it take away from the, you know, people going to wild games, things like that? Um, you know, just randomly socially through message boards and things like that, people have been complaining about this and clamoring about it and, and wanting to be able to buy a beer. Um, will it actually make any difference when the numbers are broken down and the, and the ticket sales are looked at here in the next couple of years? We'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, the main argument they're making is, is they need to compete with the other venues. Um, pretty much right now, major sporting events in the, in the Twin Cities, uh, go for basketball and go for hockey, are the only two where you can't buy a beer. Um, obviously, all the professional sports you can, Allianz Field you can. Um, TC a bank you can so uh, they want to be able to compete with the Timberwolves they want to be able to compete with the Wild and they figure this is one of the things that at least they can and then make that argument so um, you know time will tell but uh, from from reading the uh, reaction of the Regents I think there's a probably a fairly good chance that yeah next fall when uh, when the basketball and hockey season start you'll be able to uh, to purchase a beer at both Mary Jean Williams Arena and I'll be fully on board uh, if at Williams Arena they offer the 19 or 20 ounce uh, Deschutes Fresh Squeeze cans because those uh, those go a long ways. Wait, they had that at TCF this year? Uh, the last game I went to, they they had them. Um, uh, oh, Hipster goodness. Gopher can can confirm, but we definitely had quite a few of those. That's uh, 
they really have up their their beer game if they're bringing out to shoots. That's nice. Um, all right, gymnastics for real this time. Uh, the national uh, tournaments or not tournaments, the, the the national meets for gymnastics turned out to be pretty uh, exciting actually for a couple of gophers. On the women's side, Lexi Rambler uh, took second place in the all around. Is that right, Andy? Yeah, uh, Lexi Rambler, sophomore from St. Michael, Minnesota, uh, basically put one of the one of their best performances uh, in her Gopher career together. She uh, ended up uh, bringing home four different uh, first team All American performances. Excuse me, as I try not to cough uh, <clears throat> and fail. Um, but yeah, she uh, on on the balance beam and on the vault and on the all around. And on the uh, uneven bars, finished in the top six in the country, which gets you first-team All-American nods, um, and and did well enough at, at all those uh, events to finish second overall in the all-around, uh, behind only back-to-back champion Maggie Nichols uh, of Little Cannon, Minnesota, who uh, competes for Oklahoma. And then she tied with uh, Kyla Ross of UCLA. Um, what's notable about that is uh, Maggie Nichols probably would have been a 2016 Olympian for the U.S. had she not getting, gotten injured during the uh, the Olympic trials process. And uh, Kyla Ross was one of the Fantastic Five who uh, won gold for the U.S. at the 2012 Olympics. So uh, finding yourselves in the comp, uh, you know, comforts of being uh, compared to those two are uh, pretty impressive uh stats for rambler and and like we said she's only a sophomore so hopefully she can continue and try and see if she can uh improve and and win uh only the second uh national championship for the gopher women in in the program history uh the first one coming in 1990 by marie roethlisberger then on the men's side shane whiskus uh what was parallel bars title correct yep that's correct Yep, that's correct. Uh, Whiskus won the uh, NCAA Parallel Bars title, um, and he also finished second in the all-around. Uh, second year in a row, he finished second in the all-around as a freshman as well last year, so you hope it's only a matter of time until he can break through and, and win. Uh, but it's the first Gopher national title in an individual event um, since Ellis Mannion won on the pommel horse in uh, 2015. Um, and, uh, if he can ever break through, he'll, uh, be the first all around champion since, uh, John Roethlisberger won three years in a row, 91 to 93. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it was a really good, impressive weekend for, uh, for Gopher gymnasts and, uh, both, uh, both individual performances are both sophomores. So, uh, they still got two years left to, to try and impress and, and bring home, uh, multiple championships back to the stadium village. On softball, Gophers out there sweeping Nebraska. Um, at this point, kind of how are you feeling about Gopher softball? How are they looking for the NCAA tournament? Well, at this point, unless they have an epic collapse, they're shooing for the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, they're currently 11th in the RPI. Uh, I think they're 11th in one national poll and 16th in the other. Uh, so they're sitting in really good in a really good spot. Um, they've got a huge doubleheader Wednesday at Wisconsin. It was supposed to be last week, but ended up getting rained out. Um, And so that's going to be two games. Wisconsin is uh, ranked, I think they're fourth in the Big Ten right now, and they're in the low 30s in RPI. So uh, with the the sweep, the Gophers could make another move upwards. Um, 
but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they've got three games at home against Iowa this weekend, which should be easy wins. Iowa's terrible. Uh, but they cap off the Big Ten season next weekend at home against Northwestern. And Northwestern right now is 17-0 and in the Big Ten in first place. They're the number 10th ranked team in the RPI. Um, so that weekend series literally could possibly be for a chance to move up high enough to be able to hopefully lock in a, a regional hosting spot for an NCAA tournament and maybe even possibly earn a super regional if you can and get a little bit of a bump. So um, it's a big two-week two, two week stretch here and the regular season for the Gopher softball team. And then you know, if they can take care of business in the Big Ten tournament as they've done two of the last three years, um, Frankly, it'll be a travesty if they're not at least hosting the first we- regional weekend at uh, at Jing Sage Cowell Stadium over on the same, or they're over on the Minneapolis campus. Sorry, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's do or die. They're they're relying on Amber Pfizer. Uh, she won her fourth Big Ten Pitcher of the Week award this week. Two complete games, one shutout. Won 13 strikeouts in, in Friday, getting the win, and then another nine strikeouts and getting the win on Sunday. So she's locked in. Um, you know, they're still trying to get consistent performances from uh, from Sydney Smith in the in the second starter spot, uh, which they're definitely going to need if they want to try and advance through one of these double elimination regionals to, to get closer to the College World Series. But uh, all in all, things are... Uh, looking pretty good right now they just got to continue to to hold serve here the last couple of weeks well so basically what i'm taking from all that is we just get ourselves mentally prepared for a very minnesota thing to happen and have the ncaa screw them again even after they win out and totally dominate down the stretch that's i am mentally preparing for that for that outcome because that is what happens to minnesota teams I would love to finish this off with some fancy HelloFresh story because we're still searching for that HelloFresh money with my sad, sad stories. But, uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I was, I've been working too much, and so I canceled my, my delivery again this week. So I haven't, I haven't done anything exciting. So HelloFresh, if you wanted to start sending me those things for free as part of a sponsorship opportunity... I will continue to screw them up, but, you know, without costing myself dollars. Otherwise, we're going to start pandering to uh, Tombstone Pizza? I mean, there's like 72 other meal plan things. I could go Blue Apron, or there's a new Martha Stewart one that keeps popping into my Facebook feed ever since I bought HelloFresh. Yeah, you're you're definitely not, you're not frou-frou enough for that one. I can tell you that right now. I, I don't understand why you would think that I, the person who fails to properly cook HelloFresh, would not be good enough for Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart is... Yeah, okay, I'm not even going to try to fight that. I'm, I'm terrible. So, uh, I guess on that note, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.